Hi, I'm Whitney Walker, and this is the Women Waken podcast, where I interview guests who are in the field of healing and spiritual work using their unique gifts of the divine feminine. We talk all about these amazing gifts that these particular guests have and how they're bringing them forth in the world. On this episode, I welcome my dear friend, Amy Adams. Amy is the founder of the Mindful Soul Center and the accompanying Lifestyle Magazine, which features exquisite artwork and articles. She's also the producer of the You Here Now podcast, which Amy recently asked me to co-host with her, and I enthusiastically accepted. Amy is an Ashtanga Vinyasa and Hatha Yoga teacher and a Reiki master teacher. She is also the author of the book, Seven Chakras Workbook, A Garden Guide, and Gratitude Schmatitude. In this episode, Amy and I explore many topics, including the importance of the shadow parts of ourselves and the collective, and how to clear our channels to allow for flow and let our love shine through most effectively. I love conversing with this remarkable soul. So take a listen, enjoy, and here's my guest. Hi, Amy. Hi, Whitney. (laughs) Welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Thanks for the invitation. I'm very glad to be here. Of course. Well, I'm so excited to invite you onto my platform now that we are collaborating in many ways and we're co-hosting your podcast together, the You Here Now podcast. Yeah, I'm actually so excited that we're doing this together. It's really refreshing and nice to work with you. I completely agree. And it's really exciting. And I was just so fortunate to connect with you. And I was so impressed and excited about the work that you're doing. Amy, you're the founder of the Mindful Soul Center. You also run a magazine, this exquisite, beautiful magazine with such amazing artwork and resources that I'd love for you to tell the audience about. Along with that, you started your podcast, the You Here Now podcast. So it's really, it seems to all be connected with allowing people to hear stories and have outlets and resources for really connecting with a sense of self and restoration and peace. Do you agree that that's sort of your mission with the Mindful Soul Center, right? Yeah, well, it was really important to me to create a platform that would give access to people to kind of demystify yoga and make meditation accessible and not so out there. Um, And um, not just that, but also kind of the philosophical ideas and then tools and resources that people could use. And I mean, and the podcast too, uh, that was meant to let people know, you know, we all have stories and you're not alone. A lot of things happen that we can't control. And I think the tools are meant to, for stress and for creating peace, because when we're peaceful on the inside, we can radiate out more love out to others and be our best selves. Absolutely. We open that channel. We're a clear channel of the light within that we can share with others. So that, that's what I love about your work is that it does seem it's all, it all comes down to the same means of wanting people to be able to clear, clear their channels so that their, their energy is flowing more clearly and their love is able to be more easily expressed, which is so vitally important all the time, but especially now. 
Yeah. And I think fear is a big thing. I mean, even for my own personal journey, as much as I don't want to say it out loud, it has held me back in the past. Sometimes, you know, I actually had a friend of mine once, she said to me, you're the most confident person that is not confident at one point because I had fear was in my way. And, um, I mean, hopefully we're always growing and changing and transforming, but we all have times in our life that we need more resources and tools sometimes. And sometimes we're, we're not, we don't, you know, sometimes we are the resource or tool for people even. And, um, you know, it's always an ebb and flow throughout our lives. And I think the other thing about my work, which is really important to me is that I'm a trained artist and I feel like we need a lot of beauty we don't always get that in our kind of fast-paced world. Sometimes people are like, oh, just get it out, get it done. I, that's why the magazine is really like a visual adventure besides giving um, useful, practical wisdom tools. It's really about having something beautiful to look at and having beauty in our lives because we really need it. And it is beautiful. And beauty does inspire, you know, flipping through that magazine going through the articles and the pictures and the art, it does elicit feelings of just wonder, you know, and I think that that's what goes hand in hand with beauty is, is the idea of wonder, you know, wonderment. I think that's important because when we don't see things that inspire those feelings, everything can just feel a little lackluster. Everything can just seem a bit mundane, but something like that makes us, us feel excited about what people are creating and what's possible. Yeah, and I do feel like um, there there is a lot of, especially now with the internet too. I mean, I'm not that old, but you know, when I was younger, <laughs> wasn't around. <laughs> and um, I think the beauty of it too, though, is that there we're seeing that you don't have to be just a famous person. Like in the past, we were limited to information that came to us. Um, or that was accessible to us because there were only certain smaller institutions creating things. And now we have everything that we can see. And there are so many people that are doing amazing, beautiful things. And um, I think it's, it's really important to um, have that in our uh, view for life. Yes. And you are creating that view in many different ways through the podcast, through your website, through the lifestyle magazine through all those things. And in a past life, well, kind of in your current life, you're a producer, a television producer. So you also have this wonderful tool belts and repertoire of skills that are so useful to you now in, in this work. Yeah. Well, I started out actually as a very young person uh, working at ABC news and I was in production management and it was a crazy journey of being assigned to various different um, shows like 2020. I was in back in the olden days when film was something. I worked at Close Up, a documentary unit. And then later, when we went digital, I was working in another documentary unit. So that was kind of fun to see the whole transition to of technology. Wow. Did you enjoy that work? I did, but mine wasn't the exciting work. Um, mine was more of the managing the financial aspect, making sure that um, film crews or um, editors were uh, being hired and 
a lot of logistical and technical things. It was, it was nice, but I mean, I'm glad that I'm doing other things now. (laughs) Yeah. But I imagine it definitely served you in many ways. I mean, I have to say when I was very young, because I started out there very young, I actually had a great opportunity to attend an economic summit with, um, Ronald Reagan and Gorbachev and, and this whole other crew of people. And I was working in special events at the time and I went to Toronto to, to that summit. And then there were meetings at governor's Island in New York. So, and at the UN. So I did enjoy that period, probably uh, the, one of the better times there where I really had these kind of crazy experiences of being in the presence of all these world leaders. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a unique experience. It's some some exciting (laughs) stuff. So Amy, take us back even further. So that was in your twenties. Now, before that, when did you first become interested in anything related to holistic or a natural approach for the individual when did, or spirituality or what was sort of your path? And cause it, you know, you've sort of ended up in this place where your, your work now is most focused on flourishing of the human spirit and body and mind, really a, a holistic natural view. Where did that start? Well, it kind of started when I was a child. I actually was raised in a Christian environment. So, you know, going to church on Sunday and all those kinds of things. So I was really into um, not really so much about the believing of the religious teachings, but I really loved the kind of ceremony and this kind of experience. the experience of going to church. And then of course, by the time I was a young teenager, I kind of was not really into the institution of religion, but I had taken a different kind of spiritual path. In fact, uh, probably when I was around 10 is when I kind of started to diverge from that. And I even got into quite a bit of trouble because I had a big argument with a religious teacher about um, animals having souls. <laughs> so, oh. Did they disagree, yeah. your teacher? Did not agree. Yes. They, because they were set kind of separating, you know, that it was like a human thing that, uh, souls anyway. And I begged to, to disagree. So <laughs> I would beg to differ as well. As I look at my, my little dog, I, I can see her soul right now. <laughs> Very sweet. I would argue about that. Yeah. So I think that was really like my first kind of like stand of my own really, like I, I actually had a lot of strong beliefs about things that I think when I think I looking back, I think about it, I feel like I came into this earth with certain knowledge that no one taught me. It wasn't in going to church or it wasn't, um, anything like that. I mean, those things helped because I think, you know, it's always good to have community and structure and ritual in your life. But I think I, I thought to myself too, I never thought that one religion was, um, it, I always, even 
really before I was even like consciously thinking about these things as like a philosophical questions or, or, um, you know, you know, theological questions, I didn't even, that wasn't even my, in my consciousness, but I kind of knew fundamentally that every being was sacred. Well, it sounds like you're, you're speaking to innate knowing or, you know, understanding that you're born with, which, you know, a lot of people say that even like babies and the, the younger that you are, you still remember a lot from the other realms. And this is getting a little esoteric yet before we come in to this world and come into a body where we're coming from the spiritual realm, which is where we know everything. And then we come to physicality where we, 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 we are relearning or in our experience here, we're, we're learning and remembering along the way. Right. But there's certain things that we innately remember. And they say that, you know, young children, have a stronger remembrance of that. So those things kind of stick with us. And I remember too, when I was younger, I was introduced to various religions through family and and camps that I would be sent to. And I would also question when when people would offer me information and say, this is what what is so, this is what you need to believe. And I would say, well, how, how do you know that's the truth? Like, what about, why is that the only truth? And they would say, just because that's what, that's what it is. And it would just felt very packaged and, convenient to just pass that along. And I, from a young age, I thought, Hmm, that doesn't sit. There seems something much bigger to me, much more expansive and much more all encompassing that I don't think it's kind of separated out that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think even this idea of ascended masters and things that, you know, there are all of these kinds of beings that may, some may have existed on earth, some not, but they have kind of, you know, this higher kind of like, even like the Christ consciousness or something. It's not just a Christian thing, even. It's like this kind of, this idea that um, there are other beings that have come onto the earth to kind of teach and guide human beings and then even other beings in like the spiritual realms. Like I, I've always been open to all of that, like all that whole kind of thing. It was never really like I learned about it later or I don't know. I think, cause I even kind of wondered like, well, where did that come from? Like, why do I think this way? You know, because as we're, especially when we get to be like teenagers or whatever, then we start to really, I, at least for me, <laughs> You know, I started to think about those a little more things deeply, you know, and being rebellious and all of that other kind of stuff. Um, but I didn't even feel like um, that was something. And, and when I was um, young, uh, and, and this I always kind of find very funny because the, a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine in childhood and divine, which I have to kind of laugh because she's the person with her name who it's not spelled the same way. Like it's not D I V I A, but, but it's, it's pronounced that way. She's fine. That sort of introduced you toward to the concepts of the divine. I love that. She she introduced me to uh, transcendental meditation. She's the friend who said, "Hey, did you hear about you know the Maharish Mahesh Yogi? You know the Beatles. This whole thing. I actually didn't really like the Beatles as a child because they were always just played on the radio nonstop, <laughs> so I couldn't stand them really. Even though they're wonderful and talented, but um, you know it was like played out. So." Uh, she taught me what we were, you know, what she had learned. And then I started to meditate and it was a beautiful experience for me right from the start. 
So it was something I've actually practiced throughout my life. Not every day. Like many people say, oh, well, you know, I do meditation every single day. Well, I try to, but that's not always the reality. So, um, and there have even been some periods of my life where I've kind of fallen off the meditation wagon and then gotten back on. So, you know, I think it's part of my human experience is that, but I, it has been something that's been uh, prominent in my life throughout. So did you keep those practices with you throughout the years? Did you, did you ever get into any sort of tarot or divinations or anything that you practiced over the years? You got into production young, you got married fairly young. So you started your life, adult life fairly early. Did you carry those things into that? I did. And actually the tarot card, um, there was the, like a, I don't even know what the name of the deck is called. It's, um, it's in a box at one of my friend's houses. Actually, I left like this box of stuff in, um, (laughs) before I moved and, um, it's like a French deck, I think. And, um, it didn't really have a lot of pictures like the Rider Waite does, but it's, it's like very simple, but that was like the first deck that I kind of came across. But, even coming from this kind of uh, religious background too, that was something that was not really spoken about in within the family necessarily. It was more like um, all that kind of stuff was like, oh, you know, like Ouija boards or tarot cards or whatever. They're bad. <laughs> so, so um, there was that. <laughs> so I think they're just tools that you can use. I mean, I'm not really fond. I have used the Ouija board, but I'm not really super fond of that. I don't, you know, it's not really that exciting to me. I think tarot is really a beautiful tool. And I still, I have several, um, I have some kind of oral oracle decks. I do have, uh, tarot decks myself now, and I refer to them when I need some guidance. Sometimes I think they're really useful tools and they can be very inspiring. There's a lot of inspiring messages because I, I don't really, I also, I really love the idea of that non-duality, you know, where things um, can exist just because one one thing can, it's not like, oh, only this can be bad or this is good. Things can be two things simultaneously. I don't think I can maybe articulate exactly a lot of concepts here about it right now on your podcast, but um, I, that is something that I really like to think about and to listen to some kind of um, lectures on even and uh, studying um, Advaita, it's called. But Well, I, I think it's such an important shift to be making is at least considering, because there's a place for dualities, right? To, to have experiences where, you know, if you don't, if we didn't have certain dualities, then we wouldn't experience things the way that we do, you know, like there's um, male and female and there's up and down and there's night and day because we, we want to have that experience of this is right now. And then this is then, and the, the relativity that you don't have when you're in a more, a place of, of a soul or the oneness, if you will. Right, right. However, when there's too much duality, there, there, there does become those labels of good and bad. And I think those are the most, not harmful, but compromising in our situation where we've gotten into trouble because we label things good or bad or right or wrong. So often we feel that we need to give everything those labels. And with mm-hmm. that, we're, we're seeing bad things as what we can't accept. And a lot of your work, Amy, you know, is, is about people feeling 
you know, kind of finding alignment with themselves, peace within their body. And, and that comes from not rejecting any part of ourselves or our lives, you know, and, and so much of duality can say, well, if those things are bad, then I can't have those things. I can't accept them. I can only be in the good and the light, but you need both. Right. And then you can't even accept yourself because we all have both within us. Yeah. So really then it's like a hating on yourself in a way. I'm, I mean, I'm not saying you should go out and act upon the, the darkness, but it is, I mean, we have feelings of jealousy. We have feelings of greed. We have all of these things. They're part of who we are, whether we like it or not. Of course, we want to try to live with an integrity and, and be our best selves, but these things are within us. I mean, we have bad feelings sometimes. We have, I mean, so-called bad feelings, bad thoughts even. I mean, I even think, too, we have thoughts sometimes that come to us that may not even be our own because we are, we're not just our physical body, our body extends, our kind of etheric body extends beyond our physical body. And so we're interacting with other people, other ideas, other places and things. And sometimes there could be somebody who's in a really dark place you know, maybe they're in the zone of where you're at and they're walking by you and maybe you pick up with that energy or thought sometimes. I mean, I've had it even, I mean, even kinds of things like nobody wants to hear somebody to say this, but when you think about like some kind of like really negative thoughts that aren't your own or like you're raised like a certain way. Or you feel like you're, you're trying to be your best self, so you don't want to be hating a stranger or criticizing like a person, like maybe I'll give like an example, like, uh, like a homeless person. Now for me personally, I mostly speak to anyone who is, you know, homed or homeless. I'm not really, (laughs) I'm open to, uh, speak with people. I don't care. I'm not going to judge you for that. But I mean, there are times where, you know, sometimes maybe you're having a bad day and you walk by and you think, oh, you know, I have to work so hard and why doesn't this person work hard or whatever it is. You know, we make judgments on people and we make things and sometimes it comes from our own self, our own frustrations. Sometimes it comes from even just picking up energy of other people around us. Like a thought might pop into your head and you're like, where did that come from? (laughs) You know, it happens. (laughs) So... Yeah. I mean, it's not pretty. I mean, I don't want to say that I'm like that. I don't want to say like I admit that I um judging somebody, but it's truthful. Sometimes it happens. It happens. It's, it's a natural experience. Uh, judgment is something that can happen when you're, you know, you go about the world and there's some, and again, when there's duality, there's good and bad. It's, well, why, why this? Why is it like that? And why would they do this? But we don't have to hold the thought. As a therapist, I'm, I specialize in CBT, so I'm very big on let thoughts come. It doesn't mean that they, they don't have a meaning unless you give it meaning. If you right. have a thought that's kind of rude, just be like, whoa, no thanks. <laughs> I don't yeah. know what I thought. That wasn't very nice. And it's often about ourselves. Yes, we criticize other people, absolutely. But very frequently, a lot of people's judgmental thoughts are on them. Oh, man, that was so dumb what I just said. Oh, man, I just totally, you know, right. that whatever it is. And, um, and people take it for, they think that there's something wrong, that they're having those thoughts. 
Right. So to your point, I think it's so important that people can just say, oh, okay, there's, there's a thought and I'm going to let that keep going. It's not, it's no reflection on me as a person. It's just a thought. And it, and often they can be exacerbated by strong emotions, frustration, anger, you know, those things can bring up some more judgmental thoughts because you're just irritable. Right. You're kind of on edge. But I think that um, we live in such a culture of, of shame where, and to me, shame is when you have things that happen, but you feel unsafe sharing them. So you just kind of store it away, you know, oh, well, I can't let anybody know that I have these thoughts because it's not safe. And I think when we don't have, we don't feel safe to share our experience is when we get into trouble. And that's where we are now. <laughs> we're, we're in big <laughs> trouble because we don't share as a, as a collective and we don't share as individuals completely. We're not totally transparent, right? And there's right. no reason for a soul to not be able to be transparent, to totally express itself. You know, to your, when we started this, you, you spoke to, you know, you want people to be able to have a clear channel to express their love and their energy. Well, we can't do that when we decided that only certain things are safe to show. Because then mm-hmm. we're always trying to conceal a little bit what's really in there. Because we're afraid of the dark. Just what you described, the problem with duality is we're afraid of, well, I can, I can only show the bright parts. Well, we're always going to have dark parts. It's just, right. that's the gift of duality is that we experience the light because of the dark, right? Right. We have to bless the dark and the light, which when you take that metaphor into ourselves is we have to bless the parts of ourselves that we might think are icky or undesirable because they're still a part of us. And if we try to reject them, you know, we're, we're, it's, we're trying to leave behind something that is integrally a part of us and we're not going to get very far. Right. Right. And, you know, and also we live in the age of cancel culture. So even if you did something in the past years ago, um, if it became that even kind of it gets exacerbated, this kind of problem, because now people are, you know, for for making uh, some kind of like comment or mistake or something that they might have said when they were younger or less mature or even ignorant and, you know, um, have, I mean, some people maybe have not even grown or expanded, but many people, they learn from their mistakes. And then sometimes, especially people who become like kind of known, they end up being called out on something sometimes. It doesn't excuse somebody's behavior, but I think this kind of extremism of, uh, you know, canceling people all of a sudden or trying to destroy their lives because of like even some, I can't, anything off the top of my head right now but I mean I know I see these kind of examples on the internet you hear the stories and things so totally and I think it's my personal feeling is that it's just so damaging um because it just gives such a strong message again that we're not safe to ever do anything that's I mean like you said it doesn't make it okay but just because we don't condemn something doesn't mean we condone it you know I think that the condemnation of human beings is not going to allow us to evolve to the point where we want to be, where we have peace and more harmony and more balance between each other, because we're always going to be fearful. Fear is going to dominate as long as we believe that there's something that we could do that would, that would determine us to be condemned or rejected completely by our society. And I think that there's so many ways to hold space for someone who's inflicted harm on another and say, Hey, you know, these actions were not, appropriate yet not to say you need to be you know rejected you need to be pushed out and you're no longer welcome here anymore because again that's that's the same thing as if if we make a mistake personally and we decide that because of that one mistake we can never fully accept ourselves right 
if we make that decision, then how are we ever supposed to really be in alignment or really have a positive relationship and view of ourselves? Right. And how can you live your life then to actually serve others or uh, do your life's work, whatever that is, whether it's working at a job somewhere that, you know, doing something, uh, managing something for somebody or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. I mean, if you're always hating yourself because of that, you can't be your best self. I mean, you have to forgive yourself at some time too. And I think it's challenging too, because even in cases where um, maybe it's a little bit less uh, frequent now um, as time has been going on, but like, for instance, if somebody uh, commits a crime or, you know, is doing drugs or whatever it is, like some kind of thing that is deemed not socially acceptable, um, even like their family members are ostracized or punished for somebody else's behavior, which is, which makes it, it's really all this kind of judgment and things. And I, I do feel like, um, it's really important that we just take responsibility for our own actions and our lives. And I'm not saying that like live like so individualistic that you're, you know, in isolation, (laughs) but you know, before we're worrying about what other people are doing, let's just try to be our own best selves and whatever that looks like for each person is going to be different. But, um, to really go within and, and, you know, try to release the judgment, try to, you know, I, I'm not talking about toxic positivity either. I'm not talking about like this, like, Oh, everything's great all the time. Woo. You know? Yeah. Um, but uh, like to like lighten up a little on yourself, you know, and, and kind of let go of the past and just try to be present mm-hmm. and, and move forward and knowing that with every moment we have a new opportunity to, uh, create something better and we're probably gonna like fall down on the way sometimes but at least we can you know we have our next moment yeah and and when you say that you know I just I envision all of us sort of walking forward together uh, as a you know as a species as a society where when one person falls or stumbles we wait we help them back up and we all keep moving forward because we can't move forward unless we all go together that's we're all one you know and so when we try to leave certain people behind because we deem them condemned and they're not allowed they're not acceptable then we can't really move forward and i think that that's when i talk to women like yourselves and others who are doing this work to me it's sort of this this cohesive concept of how do we all start accepting, embracing one another and ourselves and, and really working more together to move forward rather than um, just feeling so in fear and that we all just have to look out for ourselves and just do our best to stay afloat? Mm. Yeah, I think fear is really a, such a challenging thing. I mean, because we can feel really confident in some areas and then in other areas too, like fear can overtake us or stop us from actually living our lives. And this is um, fear, fear of being judged by others. I mean, I think as, I mean, for me, as I've gotten older, it's become easier because you tend to um, give less fucks. <laughs> but I don't know if you have to cut that out of your, if I'm allowed to curse. But cursing a lot. So, but it does happen as you get older where you're really not concerned as much about, you know, and you kind of look back and think, wow, why did I even worry about that? 
like sometimes. Yes. yes, which is wonderful to get to that place. But my concern is being someone that works a lot with, with teens and young adults is just how confined they feel in what they're su- supposed to be focused on and what's what matters, you know, and what they're going to be determined by. You know, I they believe that if I don't achieve this or if I don't look this way or that, then I'm just I'm just not going to be enough. I'm not going to get the things that I want. And so there's so much fear. And for children and teens to live in fear, it just seems inherently to me, just seems to not make any sense. You know, why would we treat our our youth this way? Why would we keep them in, in crippling fear, literally crippling fear where teen suicide rates are just growing every year and where anxiety and depression is to me, all of that is is related to not allowing people to believe that it's okay to be whoever they are and to pursue the things that they want. We don't, we haven't really created that at all as a culture. Yeah. I mean, I, I do feel hopeful for younger people. I mean, I know that the statistics aren't good in that way, like you said about the uh, suicide and things, but I do feel hopeful that kids now, that they do have access to so much information that they can find other uh, role models that they can, um, I guess, emulate. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but um, that they can see that, yes, you can pursue a life doing this and that you don't have to be, you know, there are possibilities that maybe um, weren't so accessible in the past to see. But I do, I I know, I mean, I think that's a a teenagehood. I mean, for me, it was really tricky because you feel like you're an adult. I mean, I remember it so clearly because I hated that period of my life. (laughs) So, I mean, because I really felt uh, very rebellious and I felt like I was, um, you know, I was left to make a lot of decisions on my own, but at the same time, I was then like limited in certain ways, you know, so that was actually, you know, it's like, um, like, I guess like when people say like, don't let the man control you, you that's what I felt like as a kid. I felt like, you know, you're being controlled and like, um, you know, with school systems and all of these things, because you're not really able to be free because you will have these like rigid structures and you are required to school. (laughs) And that's why, you know, there's so much rebellion in those early years because people get frustrated you know they want their natural our natural instinct is to express to experience to to go with what we want to do and we have so many confines in this world where it's like nope that's not allowed that's not permitted if you do that it's a very policed and just very rigid structure that we have and I don't know I I just my belief is that someday we're going to recognize that we're all free and that we can have a very and I believe if we all expressed more freely, we wouldn't have addiction and illness and depression. And those things are all the result of, of anything that's constricted because, you know, as you know, by practicing yoga, our bodies love yoga because we're moving, there's movement and it allows for greater flow throughout the body of energy of our, of water, of blood throughout the body. And that's when we're healthiest. That's when we're doing our best. So when we're confined to what we believe we're are, is possible, we're constricted and we're holding back and we're going to be sick and tired and unhappy because we're not able to express. So that's my hope for the future is that there's generations up where they, they, 
are really excited about life because I feel the other problem is that right now more people are have a very dismal outlook on life rather than a upbeat, excited outlook on life. You know, it's like, well, I guess I got to slodge through this and. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I think like, I, I don't know how, what I could say to offer somebody who is younger. Like, um, I think being curious though is something like if just, you know, if you find yourself in a kind of bad state, just be curious about how something works, about how something happens. I mean, I think that can even kind of start to excite you because I think one of the things that kids, um, I mean, because I said the same things, was like, I'd be like, I'm bored. Uh, well, I mean, really, we have uh, in our control to not be bored. I mean, we can even like adventure into a book and dive into a story and go into another world with that. But I think this idea of, um, you know, I think dream and daydreaming even is really healthy in a lot of ways. I, and I think there is this kind of thing like don't daydream, you know, get to work, take action, you stop dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> that come from daydreaming is the best that's where we vi- we're, we're visualizing that's where we're creating our future we're, we're seeing what we want to create next and that's the most powerful place to be in that's the most important thing to do is to have daydreaming time it yeah. really hurts me that it's discouraged i have a t-shirt that i love and it says dreams can destroy your mediocrity <laughs> exactly so <laughs> they're going to blow it out of the water. They're going to bring in something new. Yeah. I think dreaming is really important though. And imagining and just, and just trying things and not worrying about what other people think about when you try. I mean, I have to say for, I have failed at so many things in my life. And even, I, I mean, I don't even maybe even say sometimes fail, but like, for instance, when I decided to join the equestrian team in college and I always loved horses. I always wanted to be around horses. I loved horses, but when I was younger, that wasn't a reality for me. So in college, I was like, I'm going to join the equestrian team. So I did. And I took horseback riding lessons. And then I started competing and I was not a very good rider, but I practiced and I was into it. I learned everything I could and I just opened myself up to doing it and being dedicated to it. And really for me, I mean, I think sometimes this happens with people too. You might maybe like kind of like slow and steady. And then all of a sudden, I mean, and this has been like throughout my life, I've noticed this, even like doing other kinds of things. I would kind of go along. Maybe people would be like, Meh, you know, she's not very good at that. <laughs> but I didn't stop. And then you know, I did get the first place ribbon sometimes, or I did play at the piano recital and do great, or, you know what I mean? Like, but I I think like this kind of, you know, that wasn't the case in the beginning. It may have taken me a few years to get there, but I think this whole idea too, of like this instant kind of success and, you know, this everybody seeing all these things like, you know, you're supposed to be this way. You're not supposed to do this. You're, you know, or I'm not good enough because I don't, you know, have a fancy picture and a fancy yoga pose. Like, um, any of these things, it's just, we just keep going. 
We just keep going and keep doing. I mean, we, it takes years for people to um, master some crafts and things too. I don't know why we think that we can just have do everything in an instant, like this instant culture kind of thing. Yeah. Well, so, really what we've developed is is this instant culture understanding that I want to do this and I want to be the best at it right away. And I think it's because we look around and the, what we see, we don't see the people who are out there just enjoying these activities, engaging. We see the people at the top who are getting notoriety and attention for it. And we say, well, I want that. You know, I want to go to the Olympics. Sure. Just give me some skates. I'll get there. And we're like, oh, <laughs> dang, that takes like 30 years of work. I don't want to do that. So <laughs> I think it's the idea that just what you said, that do something because, you know, be in the moment, be in the present, see how you enjoy it, how you experience it and do it because you want to do that. You want to have the experience of being that while you're engaging in it and then see where it leads you. You know, sometimes it might lead to a, an accomplishment, but if we're, if we're only doing things for the glory, again, we get where we are now where we're all just kind of climbing on top of each other and very competitive and really stuck in this place of comparison. And comparison is also so detrimental to, you know, life satisfaction because it's, we're, it's always a, um, you know, a measuring stick of, well, where are they compared to me? You know, comparison is, is an addiction. You know, people can live their, their day where they go around saying, to, in order to feel okay, they'll say, well, I have to check, check in. You know, am I doing better than that person? Okay, then I can feel better. Do I look better than that person? Okay. It takes away joy. And I think that joy is the, the name of the game. It's the purpose, the end purpose for experiencing life is to have joy through it, not achievement. Yeah. And I think it was kind of interesting because even though I am editing a magazine and producing one, <laughs> I'm going to make a comment about magazines. When I, I actually had to stop looking at some kinds of fashion magazines when I was younger, even if I was thin, I thought I was fat because I would look at pictures of these models who were very thin or even photoshopped or whatever. And I mean, I didn't have a makeup artist doing <laughs> me every day, but I still thought I should look like that. <laughs> so, yeah. so, um, and that's the problem, you know, when you mentioned that, yes, it's great that, that kids and teens have access to information that they can explore and find inspiration. I think, unfortunately, they get stuck along the way with comparisons because what they also find online is people only showing their brightest, boldest Photoshop selves. And they're like, whoa, 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 I want that. <laughs> I want to, how did this person get this? Or, or they get stuck in, oh my gosh, like that person's so impressive or so cool. And I, why can't, why am I not like that? So that's the, you know, the, the other side of, you know, the internet age, the age of social media that's gotten real kind of murky is, is this benefiting us more or is it more so holding us back and keeping us in a, a worse place? I think it's not even like necessarily bad. I think the problem is, is that we're really disconnected from who we really are. And I remember on, um, I don't know, I post some things on Facebook and I think I said something like remember who you are <laughs> remember who you really are and somebody said I don't know what that really means mm -hmm. and I said it's just you it's your essence it's really like you are a spiritual being and I know that there are atheists out there who are gonna say I'm not a spiritual being <laughs> whatever I'm just gonna die and whatever okay fine fine I don't care I'm not arguing with you but 
Um, we are a part of this like great big consciousness and anybody who says they understand everything, well, I'm, you know, they're probably lying, but, uh, (laughs) but I mean, I, I would say like, even from a scientific kind of viewpoint, um, and like scientists studying consciousness and what it is and everything else, we, we, we know that we have it, we're all sharing in it and um we are a part of it it's it's something that we are and um right now we're in a physical body and i think that's what happens that's when the separation happens that's when the duality happens because we live on on the planet earth which has a dualistic nature to it and we're that's it we separate because we're in the body but we just if we remember that on the inside or our essence, our beingness, that is the thing. That's who we really are. We're not the body. And I, and I think the reason why I even came to start to do the work in 2017, where I kind of got away from doing like more, <clears throat> I don't necessarily call my work practical because I was as a working artist <laughs> before, so maybe not practical might be the right word. The reason why I got into doing I wasn't well in uh, the end of 2012 and early 2013, and I had stopped exercising and everything, but the thing that got me healthy was doing yoga. And in, I started doing it again in 2015. It actually took me, I think, until like 2015 until I started again. And then 2015 to 2017, every week I would get stronger and stronger and stronger and I still my body was still heavier I was still you know not um, I had really a very bad self-image because prior to being ill I was you know I was very thin and not that I was in magazines but (laughs) I had that whole kind of like stereotypical you know I I wore clothes that were like not I could wear the fashions, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I was putting on the makeup and the, you know, I was running all the time and doing all these exercises. But then when that changed, I really was hard on myself. And I was really uh, thinking to myself, like, oh, how did I get like this? This is terrible. I, you know, I I really was, uh, I, it's, I, I was awful to myself. And I mean, I really was not loving myself at all. And because I really was, and I feel like part of it had to do with the culture I was raised in, was that I was attached to my body. I was like thinking, giving it more importance than it has. I mean, of course it's super important because it's bringing us around having this experience. So we want to kind of take care of it. I was so obsessed about like, I I didn't want to go out. I didn't really want to go out except for to like walk my dog or whatever because or go like to get some things because I just my clothes didn't fit me anymore. I just it was a terrible time in my life. But then I started doing yoga, 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 yoga. And I think even at some points, my body didn't even physically change that much. But I remember doing yoga and I remember in my head and I know this is true, and I mean, not because I read in a book or somebody told me it, but it was like the consciousness was like, hey, you are not the body. Mm. You are not the body. And I was like, yeah, I'm not the body. <laughs> and honestly, I felt like I still look the same. 
I mean, maybe a little more radiant because I was doing yoga. My, my face might have been more radiant, but I still, like my physical body hadn't really changed. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, but I felt okay. Like I started to love myself again because I remembered that, yes, this is an important part of our existence here on earth, but it's not everything and it's not our essence. It's not our essential being. Mm-hmm. So... No. And, you know, I I think that that brings it back to when you were saying, you know, the important question is we don't, we don't know who we are anymore. And, you know, again, I mentioned earlier that it's, it's like we have things backwards here because to your point, we do think that we are our body. And when you believe that you're, you're literally focused on the, the vessel rather than the actual living, existing, beating thing that's here that, that came here for an experience that that's here to express. And we're just looking at the vessel uh, and so preoccupied with that. And that's how most of us live our lives where we are in fear of showing up if we don't think that we look a certain way or fit a certain expectation and, and it keeps us down and it keeps us in fear. Cause again, if we're, if we feel it's not safe to come forth and have the experiences we want to, as we are, um, then we're, we're going to be in fear and, and lack security. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, and that, so that's why I started in 2017. I just, because I also knew how to do web design and stuff from my kind of creative background. And, um, I would do that for money when I was also painting because painting didn't always pay well. Uh, so I was like, I'm going to make a website on, uh, to help demystify yoga and get more people to understand that they should be doing yoga to, and not like you have to be obsessed, like, doing yoga every day or that you have to be like yoga body on Instagram, making fancy poses. That's great. I would love to do that sometime, but I mean, that's not really the point. The point is like, you know, it, it helps your nervous system. It helps your whole entire state of being. It reminds you of who you are. I actually think that yoga is one of the greatest tools that can help to remind you who you are because we're also becoming like when we're doing our yoga poses, we're really in the moment. I mean, maybe we might get distracted a little bit, but really a lot of the things are very challenging. And so we're doing like these kinds of different stresses on our body, but purposeful. And um, with those purposeful uh, stressors, we're activating our nervous system. And we're also wanting to not be injuring ourselves. We want to be careful. So we are focusing on what we're doing in the moment. You know, well, I'm going to lift my leg and I'm going to put it here and I'm going to, you know, and, and this kind of like really being in that moment, it reminds you okay, I'm in the flow. I can, you know, you're not really thinking like, oh, I have to go, um, you know, grocery shopping today or whatever, because you can't, you're busy. You got to do yoga. You got to be there. (laughs) So it's a good practice of being in the moment. I think that's the thing about yoga and meditation. It's like, we're practicing how to be in life and also relaxing our nervous system. So it makes it easier. Yes. I do think it's important though, that kind of just like we're talking about with, uh, with negative or judgmental thoughts that, cause a lot of people will say, well, I can't meditate because I still think, and I still have these thoughts and I'll think about going to the grocery store when I try to meditate and knowing that just because that happens doesn't mean we're not meditating or that we can't, 
It's just a matter of, right. of learning that meditation, I think, is a, a process of learning to focus our thoughts, not necessarily eliminate all thoughts. We just, they, we slow them down a little. We make them s- focused and we learn to let those other sort of um, static thoughts of, you know, what am I going to do after this? What am I going to eat later? Where am I going later? Kind of let those keep passing until we, if those pass enough, we'll kind of get down to the moment and the present time and be able to, to sit with that. And, and that's when the magic of yoga and meditation occurs is when you recognize, oh my gosh, I'm really just right here, right now, watching my foot move, watching my body move, feeling my breath in and out, just being, and then you, that's when I think you really start to feel the your essence within your body. When you think, oh, wow, maybe I'm not just my body. Yeah, well, and also you're witnessing. I mean, I think it's when you become the witness of your thoughts. Yeah. This is really part where you recognize that these are just thoughts that they're just passing. And we have, I think, 40 to 70,000 a day each. So <laughs> we're not even aware of a lot of them. <laughs> so, a lot of, And we're not our thoughts. I think a lot of people believe that if we think it, then that must be what we are. Oh gosh, if I, if I'm thinking about these things and I'm preoccupied that no, it's just our, I mean, our, in reality, our, our brains are really just a really wonderful tool. They're a computer. They're, uh, you know, they're programmed and we program them and we can reprogram them. So if we don't like our thoughts, we don't have to think, oh gosh, that means I don't like me. No, it just means how do I shift what I'm processing, what I'm, what's going, you know, the thoughts that are coming through, how can I begin to introduce different thoughts? Yeah. And when I was even having that kind of difficult time with ill health and I was getting back into yoga, I actually felt like I was, um, I felt like in the past I had loved myself a lot. And then I got into this kind of downward spiral of ill health. And also when you're not feeling good physically, it, you know, it does can take a toll on you mentally as well. They kind of go hand in hand. You can get into that little downward spiral. And uh, I think the retraining, it was really came through gratitude and also through uh, mantra of um, affirmations and really telling myself over and over again, because I, one of the things that I did use was gratitude. And that's why I wrote that book, Gratitude, Schmattitude, Don't Just Think It, Do It, because it kind of looks at different aspects. But I realized that I was not getting out of this stagnant state. And I remembered in the past, I mean, I'm older, I had other stagnant states in my life. And I remembered that I had used gratitude another time when I was really kind of feeling, I wouldn't say hopeless, but kind of struggling. I was kind of like in a cycle um, that I couldn't get out of. And, um, I said, okay. So I started doing the gratitude practice again, cause I had just gotten away from it for so long and I would repeat things over and over. And I didn't believe them. Even I would say, I would still, I had anger about certain things in my mind that would come up. So I would say something and I'd be like, I'm grateful for my home. And I am grateful for my home, but I'd be like, oh, well, you know, (laughs) like, cause you know, some kind of other thought would pop up. And then I just kept saying them over and over again. And then I'd say, "Um, you know, I'm just grateful to wake up today and I'm grateful for the air I breathe and anything, you name it. I would like, 
um, I would just do it. And then I was like, I'm grateful for today. And I, I wasn't really feeling it though. Like I felt like I was lying actually. But, um, at some point I retrained my brain because I was like, I am grateful for this. And I was like, yes, I really am. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it really, it changed, you know, it changed my life. I, I know a lot of people use gratitude as a practice to do it. And I think it is a good um, exercise. It doesn't even have to be gratitude. It could be any kinds of like affirmations or things, you know, that you can kind of repeat to yourself over and over again, because we can, um, change our brain chemistry through this kind, these kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. Reprogramming. It's possible. So it sounds like your venture into yoga to heal when you were ill led you to become a teacher in both Reiki and yoga. Yeah. I actually had um, always kind of, known about Reiki because my former husband actually taught me um, Reiki without calling it Reiki and doing some of the symbols or things, but he had uh, taught me how to do that. And it was always something that I was very aware of, and I've had Reiki treatments, but then I decided to just um, go through the you know, formal process to become a Reiki master teacher. And then I also went to India a couple of times. And then the second time I went, I became a, I went to the yoga teacher training with Devrit uh, Yoga Sangha in um, the southern part of India, which was a very wonderful experience. Um, I actually came, I had some challenges there, but um, actually injuring myself even at the end of the training, <laughs> but <laughs> in an unrelated, unrelated to yoga, falling on a like curb kind of thing. <laughs> so, but, it was, um, it was actually good. I think it was actually part of my yoga teacher training, going to the hospital and having discs in my yoga teacher training. You got to get a hospital visit in. Got to really eat up your body, challenge it. <laughs> yeah, it was a new moon. It was pitch black, <laughs> and I fell when we came store. So, um, but then I just kept doing yoga and like hurting myself because I didn't even know that something was wrong with me. Yeah, and uh, but no, but it was a beautiful experience, and I uh, I also did a like a another kind of yoga training, a yoga therapy training but I feel like the yoga teacher training is enough for um it's it's a beautiful thing I mean the breathing the movement I'm an old I was one of the older students there most people were young and um you know from 20 to 30 and there were a couple of us that were in the 50 plus club <laughs> so <laughs> but it was a great experience so I highly recommend it to anyone who likes yoga to really do it. I mean, if you could do it, it's like an adventure too. So stretches your mind, stretches your body. I'm sure. So you, you moved. So it was after 50 that you moved more into that as your, not only your lifestyle, but your work that you were teaching yoga, doing Reiki. And then, and then is that around the time when you started the magazine, the center? Yeah. 
Yeah, all of it was after after 50. Um, my younger life was really working in network news, working in publishing, uh, traveling, studying, you know, did the bachelor's and the master's and all that kind of stuff. And um, and doing art, because that was also something when I was younger I really wanted to do. And I, you know, it's not really um, supported like men, you know, a lot of occupations, you know, it's not considered practical. <laughs> so, I mean, it's changed obviously, but being a painter of making, you know, oil paintings and acrylic paintings or whatever is not, um, you know, a popular career path. So I had the opportunity at some point and then I decided to dedicate my time to that. But it was really the ill health that kind of got me back into the spiritual work, I would say, and being more purposeful. Not that the art didn't have any meaning, but I feel like all of the things that I've done through my life, like working in production, working in publishing, working, even I had a little boutique for a while. Um, all of the things that I did are what led to uh, me being able to do the work that I'm doing now. Yeah. It was necessary. It seemed like I think all of those steps along the way, I can really see how they've all come together to um, let me do the work that I think um, I was meant to do in the long run anyway. And what a beautiful thing to be able to look back and see that, see all the, the stones that became the path to where you are. Because at the time, sometimes we sure don't like them. <laughs> the certain steps yeah. present themselves. That's true, because even when I worked at ABC, I did like it when I was younger, and I worked there for nine years, and then I left, and then um, it was after my former husband got ill, I had to return, and I did not want to go back, but I had to, and um, I mean... It wasn't a horrible experience or anything. It just wasn't my ideal job at the time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you and sometimes it, you, you don't really feel like you're not feeling it. I wanted to be doing art. I wanted to be doing – I was working in the textile industry, actually, for a short time in between the ABC and the return to ABC. <laughs> so, you know, I was like kind of went from this kind of more uh, production-oriented thing to this – more creative work and then I felt like oh, like I want to stay in this space I want to keep doing creative work and that just wasn't what was going to happen at that time that you know it just it wasn't so right because <laughs> it had to unfold to where you are now because that needed to be walked through for you to get to this place where you're now immersed in being able to do art and be creative in every outlet that you have. Yeah. And use all those technical skills too. Exactly. <laughs> you needed that read, you know, you needed to be there a little bit longer to kind of get whatever you needed. And now you got everything in your bag and you're on your way and where you always wanted to be, which I love that. Yeah. So well, Amy, this has been so delightful to hear your story. What a magnificent story. You lived in a fantastic life and I can't wait to see I mean, it seems like the best is yet to be because you're, you're in that place. You reached that place that you always wanted since you were a kid, just doing art and being creative and using your magic. Yeah. Well, I really hope, I mean, I think part of the reason uh, I really hope that it can just help other people 
I mean, that's really, I feel like this is like purposeful work. Not that the other work that I did before wasn't purposeful, but I feel like this is intentional. Like I am aware of what I'm trying to create and, and how I'm trying to help people. And not that you can save anyone, but you can always just make it easier for them to grab some tools. So <laughs> you are absolutely helping people and offering some amazing inspiring healing resources for them and just by being you and sharing your story well thank you contribution. yeah so amy if people want to check out your magazine and want to explore the mindful soul center where can they go um they can visit the website which is the mindful soul center.com or even the podcast has its own website now, which is you hear now podcast.com. Fantastic. And there you'll find both of us at the bottom. Right. You can even leave us a voicemail too. Wow. That's really cool. Fancy. All right. Yeah. So uh, check out Amy's website. Leave her a voicemail on her podcast site on our podcast site and um yeah well thank you so much for for being a guest i'll be seeing you soon yes indeed thanks whitney okay take care amy bye that wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guests thank you so much for listening to the women waken podcast if you enjoyed this episode please do share it with others and come back for more if anything you heard resonates leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.